Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are Katie and Beth, and we are here to help you get into PA school and then get through PA school. We want to be your mentors and be here for you every single day to help you through every step of your path to PA school. If you're trying to get into PA school but feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or not sure how to even begin, we get it. We've been there and have seen so many candidates either delay applying to PA school or run out of time and rush through their application, or worse yet, make big mistakes on their CASPA application that costs them an interview. There are years of teaching at PA programs. We have seen applicants make the same huge mistakes over and over, and we don't want that to be you. If you dream of becoming a physician assistant, we want to help you achieve that dream. And without wasting your time, your money, or your emotional health, you can absolutely become a PA and there is no such thing as a perfect application. It's all about making sure you don't make the mistakes we've seen and making sure you do the things that make you stand out from the crowds. We will teach you exactly what you need to know and we'll teach you how to get into PA school in our application to acceptance course. Check it out in the show notes or at go.prepaclinic.com slash course. Now, let's get on to our candidate success story. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wear the White Coat. I'm Beth. And I'm Katie. So today, we have an amazing special guest. We have another student success story, and today we're going to be talking about Clay. Now, Clay not only succeeded in getting into school this year, but he's also deep in the middle of learning. He finished his first semester of didactic year and is on the path to become a PA. So... Join me in welcoming this amazing guest today, Clay. Hi, everyone. My name is Clay Wilkerson, and I'm just so excited to be here and be on this podcast. Pre-PA education is really important for me, and I'm just happy to be here and give back to you guys. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We were actually just talking about this, about how the service mindset of so many PPAs and PA students, that they want to give back, they want to help others, uh, you know, achieve their dreams as well. So really, really appreciate it. And we're super excited to kind of dive into some of these topics. Yes. So excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Let's get into it. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Clayton Wilkerson. Um, I'm I'm originally from Gonzales, Texas, which is a very small town around 8,000 people. Very well known for the phrase, come and take it, which um, is on a flag. And we shot the first shot of the Texas Revolution. So we started it, and I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin, Hook'em Horns, in 2020 with a biology degree and a pre-health professions certificate and a health communication minor. While I was at UT, I was the University of Texas pre-position assistant social chair during my junior year, and I eventually became the co-president for this society during my senior year. While also doing that, I was also the director of programming for the Kidney Disease Screening and Awareness Program, where we got to give free kidney disease screenings to the underserved population within Austin and Travis County. I'm also a national champion baton twirler, which is not very common. And then now I am a student at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. And overall, you know, I'm just an outgoing guy who has a passion for volunteering and giving back to my community. Awesome. Yeah, it's like you were super busy in undergrad, and obviously you're part of the PPA club and doing all this volunteer experience, so PA was kind of on your mind. But when did you first decide about the profession? Like, where was that? Was that in high school? Was that later in college? So up until, like, my junior and senior year of high school, I wanted to be a band director. I was very musically inclined. I've been playing piano since the third grade. And then I started playing the tuba in fifth grade all all the way up until high school. And, you know, I'm very 
I was very musically inclined, and, you know, whenever I was thinking to myself, like, what do I want to do, you know, music's a, you know, a strong suit of mine, and so I was like, okay, a band director, that's pretty cool, but then, you know, I also had my academic side to me, you know, I graduated third in my class in high school, and so eventually, you know, I knew science was a passion of mine, but I didn't know really what to go into, but I knew I did not want to be a doctor, <laughs> so um, during my senior year of high school, I was the future scientist president. It's a, a future scientist club president, and my job was to bring speakers in every month in relation to any science topic. One month, I decided to bring a PA in. At the time, I had no idea what it was, and all I knew was that it was something like a doctor, right? So I had her come in to give this great presentation, and um, she worked in wound care, and we're all eating lunch during this time, right? So we're literally, she's flipping through some of her, like, wound care patients' wounds while we're all eating, and I'm just, like, mouth wide open and eating my chips. Like, it's, I was just like, wow, this is really cool. The PA, she went through the full process of how to become a PA, and I was like, this is for me. So I ended up going to shadow her. And then whenever I saw the patient's eyes just open and just there was a sparkle in them once the PA got to talking to them about their health and also bringing up previous information from previous visits to the new visit, the patients, you know, they're, they love that kind of stuff. They, their, their facial expressions change that shows that there's rapport and that the PA has a very special connection with the patient. And that's what did it for me. That exact moment was the moment I knew that I wanted to be a PA. And so my journey was a little bit different because I was still in high school. And a lot of people don't know what a PA is or have the option of knowing what a PA is um, until college. So That's such an amazing background. And we know you. So we know you're a really well-rounded candidate. So once you got to this point, what did you do then? Like, what is your, what is your patient care experience and your healthcare experience hours then? Yeah, so I have not been, I did not get any, like, crazy certifications. I wasn't really an MA, but I'll get to that later. I started out becoming a pharmacy care representative in ATB, which is a Texas grocery store. And I was the first face the patient would see. So I would greet them. I would look up their medications, you know, make sure all their insurance is correct and, you know, check them out, that kind of thing. My pharmacy was in the middle of Austin. Um, It was the closest HEB to um, downtown. So we saw a huge patient population in terms of younger people older people, people from different races and ethnicities. And so it was a really good opportunity for me to see the different types of, um, I guess, the different types of patients and their different types of problems that come with those types of patients. So I got about 200 healthcare hours of that. And and I put that as healthcare experience in my CASPA because I wasn't touching the patients or I, I wasn't doing anything to treat the patient. So later on, I decided, you know, I really want to get hands on an opportunity became aware of me to become a registered behavior technician. Not a lot of people know what this is, but in RBT, basically, we treat children with autism and other autism spectrum disorders. So the pediatric clinic that I worked at, you know, I saw a range of different ages, all the way from like two years old to around 13 to 16. We use this type of therapy called ABA therapy, and this teaches, you know, these kids how to do everyday things from brushing their teeth to knowing their colors knowing their abcs and so overall like even though i taught them so much they taught me more than i could have ever imagined and so 
those patients have a super big spot in my heart. And so I got about 600 patient care hours during doing that. And the reason why I put that as patient care was because I'm literally the therapist. I was touching them. I was making sure they're interacting with others. I was doing different tests on them, that kind of thing. So even though it was more like a, it's more of a social science more than medical, but I still put it as patient care because, you know, I was still right there with the patient. And then after I graduated from UT, I eventually got an intern uh, medical assistant position at a dermatology clinic in Austin. So um, in terms of the application cycle, I be, I, I ended up getting the medical assistant job at this dermatology clinic, and I got around 1,500 hours total of doing that. But during the CASPA application cycle, this was after I had already applied and actually had gotten some interviews. So I just put that as an ex- like a, an additional experiential experience so that the other schools could also see that I was getting more hours. And during this time, I learned a huge chunk of dermatology, um, which I just got done uh, studying in clinical medicine. So that was a huge, I guess, pro for doing that. But during my time there, I assisted in biopsies, excisions, took the chief complaint. I also wrote the note. I would be the person to send the prescription, not necessarily write the prescription, but I would send it and other things like that. So yeah, that's all of my experience before I got into BA school. You bring up such a great point because... Sometimes it can seem like overwhelming and cumbersome for candidates to have to get a ton of patient care experience hours and that sort of thing, but most programs require it just because it helps you so much for when you're actually in PA school. And just like you said with dermatology, I'm sure you had like a huge leg up just because of your background in it. Yes, 100%. Like I just, um, last week we had our uh, dermatology lecture and I literally knew almost everything on the slides. Um, I had actually seen it. I know the treatments off the back of my hand, that kind of thing. So that was like, it's, it's going to be helpful in terms of, you know, passing for the exam. Yeah, we say, you know, it's not a box to check. You know, they don't have these pre-requirements because they want you to do these you know, random things that aren't going to help you. Every class they want you to take and every type of patient care experience or shadowing experience is all really for you. And when you're in that and trying to get volunteer and trying to get shadow and patient care, it can seem overwhelming and it can seem so ridiculous to have all these requirements. But Clay, like you embody that exact reason why we do this. Because now, you know, we work with people with autism and we do pediatrics and behavioral health. You're going to have a leg up there. And now that, you know, dermatology, okay, I know that. And now you know how to do biopsies and you do your procedure courses and then you know the anatomy of the skin. And so that's going to help in your anatomy class. And so we really try to hit home um, with our students and our clients that, hey, this is going to serve you well in the future. It might seem like it's one of these ridiculous requirements and a check in the box, but it's not really. It's really to provide you that solid foundation to build upon. So I absolutely love the fact that you're kind of reaping some of those benefits now because our goal is, hey, learn anything you can before PA school because if that's one less thing you can study, then it's only going to help you, right? Yes, 100%. You know, during my, you know, freshman or sophomore year of college, you know, I thought to myself, like, how am I going to get these experiences? How am I going to get these hours? And it's really hard because you're taking full-time classes, you're trying to volunteer, you're trying to be active in all of these orgs. But, you know, it's just something that it's going to help you in the long run. And you're just going to have to be a very good time manager and just do it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Love it. For your listeners, if you're listening, it is from the mouth of someone who is literally in PA school right now. And so please, you know, take that to heart. So if you're comfortable, what was the weakest part of your application? 
And what was the strongest? So I would say my weakest part of my application was my grades. My, I mean, my GPA wasn't the best. Like I didn't have a 4.0. I didn't have like a 3.8, 3.9, that kind of thing. I ended up graduating with like a 3.54. And so, you know, I made two C's and a couple of B minuses in my prereqs. But I mean, this goes to show that even though you don't have the best grades, it doesn't mean you're not capable of getting into whatever program or being able to learn the information. Like I said in some of my interviews, I am a huge believer in saying that your grade does not reflect what you learned in the class. And, you know, if even if you made a C, you probably still learned a lot. It, you know, probably some other things that were happening around that time that just kind of hindered your way of getting the best grade possible. So that, I would say my weakest, that would be my weakest point. And then my strongest part of my application, I would say my personal statement and my leadership experiences. Leadership experience and volunteering hours are a huge standout in your applications. If you are able to get involved in a student org, whether that be medical or non-medical, get involved because this shows that you are able to handle multiple different things at the same time, which you're going to have to do in PA school and as well as a PA as a healthcare provider. In terms of volunteering hours, I mean, I got a lot of different volunteering experiences, but I got a lot of hours from one specific source. And if I think a lot of PA schools want that. They, they like to look for, you know, that one specific volunteering hour or volunteering um, opportunity that you got to do for multiple hours. It, it just shows that you were dedicated to that specific cause. Hey, I, you bring up such a great point. So we get a lot of clients that say like, hey, I don't have a perfect application and I'm on the forums and everybody seems to have a better and perfect application. And just like you said, Clay, it's not just about grades or not just about this X, Y, or Z, that you can have an imperfect application and still be a success because you're right, you know, grades don't always correlate with your knowledge. They don't correlate with future success. You know, you're more than just your grades. So if you have something in your background that you're not proud of, maybe you uh, freshman year weren't as great, maybe you took the DRE and didn't do as well as you want to, don't let something like that define you and say like, hey, you know, that's going to ruin my whole future. I got to see an anatomy my sophomore year. That's going to ruin my future. I can never be a PA because that's simply not true. And so I love the fact, thank you so much for being, you know, vulnerable and honest enough to tell us that like, hey, I wasn't perfect, but you know what? I did some things that were really great. And I made up for, you know, some of these weaknesses in different ways. And then I'm still going to be an amazing provider because I think you're right. You know, we, we look at the holistic candidate. If we just wanted grades, we would just look at your transcripts and take the top 10% of people that apply and then have them in our PA school. But we want the whole shebang. We want someone who has the volunteer spirit. We want someone who's interested in serving their community, um, who wants to be a leader and who wants to advocate for, for their, not only their patients, but also for their profession. We want someone who we want to be a great ambassador of our program, and you definitely embody that. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, because I think it's really important for our listeners to know that you don't have to have a perfect application. Everybody's going to have weaknesses, and everybody's going to have strengths, and you can still become a PA. So do not let something like a test or a grade or an experience define your future. Exactly. I think, you know, to put the cherry on top of this conversation is that you have to be able to turn, you know, those bad experiences or those negative experiences or even bad grades into something positive, whether that be time management skills or um, even having a positive attitude despite the outcome of that negative event or that grade. I think that's what a lot of 
VA schools are looking for. And so if you can do that, if you can turn your weaknesses, if you can turn those negative experiences into something positive, that is a huge leg up in terms of, you know, being a great candidate for a PA school. Yes. I mean, that is so true because we actually learn more from things that we feel like we don't succeed at than we learn when we do succeed, right? We learn so much more when we get the answer wrong and we'll never forget it than when we get the answer right. So yeah, those are some wise words. So I hope our listeners are paying attention. How many programs did you apply to? So I applied to eight. So I applied to seven in Texas. There's currently eight in Texas, but I did not apply it to Baylor. And then I applied to one in Colorado, which was the University of Colorado Aurora. And where are you attending now? So I am attending the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. You know, this is a really great program. You know, I got invited to interview to six out of those eight schools that I applied to. And, you know, I didn't get accepted into Colorado or the University of North Texas. But um, out of those six interviews, I got interviewed. I went to three out of those six because of the cost of the down payments for your seat. So if any pre-PA students are hearing this right now, I highly recommend that you save up some money before you apply because it, it can get expensive with the, the down payment for your seat. But my first interview was at Hardin Simmons University in Abilene, Texas, and I ended up getting accepted the day after my interview, which Ooh, is insane. <laughs> and then my second interview was here at UTMB, and I obviously got accepted. And then my third was at the University of Texas Southwestern in Fort Worth, where I interviewed, but I ended up getting waitlisted. With Hardin Simmons, it was a $1,200 deposit for your seat. It was really early in the game for me, so you have to play the gamble, which was, do I pay the $1,200 and reserve my seat, or do I save that money and hopefully get other interviews down the line and hopefully get accepted? So, you know, I chose the safe path. I uh, paid my $1,200. I reserved my seat so I knew that I was going to be a PA no matter what. And then I ended up paying $1,000 for a UTMB seat. And so even if you only get one interview and one acceptance, still have some money. (laughs) But um, a lot of people don't talk about this part in terms of you're going to have to have your, you know, your money to send the applications in the first place. But then once you get accepted, it's a whole different ballgame. So you have to be prepared for that. Yes, that's really smart. And so most schools will require a seat deposit to secure your seat. Clay was talking about $1,200, $1,000. We've seen anywhere from $500 to $1,500. Uh, so it's going to vary by school. And that basically secures your seat. You usually have a time frame, like two weeks, for example, to send that in. And then if you end up not going to that program, choose another program that is non-refundable in most cases. So really smart. This place says, like, even if you're going to go to that school, you still have to have the money to put down a deposit. Now, that money is yours. It will go towards tuition or towards whatever it is. But you do have to have that money up front for a deposit. So when we talk about, like, finances and stuff like that, make sure that you have the financial ability to be able to pay the deposit for that as well because we know CASPA can be very expensive. And so definitely, you know, always setting up a little bit extra, and that's going to be important, especially if you're like Clay and interviewing at multiple programs. Um, and so you might get multiple acceptances. We always say, accept the first program, <laughs> uh, just like you did. We always say that because you never know. You get it through plane crash and not make it to your other interviews. We don't know. Um, and so always really smart. And then, like you, if you get more acceptances, then you have to play the game. How many schools do I say yes for? So, yeah, thank you for that tip for sure. And the programs that waitlisted you have no idea what they're missing. 
believe, yeah, you end up where you're supposed to be. Um, and so we firmly believe that, you know, it's you can't see it. What is that uh, phrase? Like, life is what happens when you're busy making plans, right? <laughs> and so it's so true. And then most people who maybe didn't get to go talk toys or, or something like that, they'll come back a few weeks later and say, this is the best thing for me. Like, I've made the most amazing friends. I have the best peer group. Is that your experience? Yes. So UT Southwestern was my number one, just because I really connected with their mission and value statement. They're the top seventh school in the country for PA schools, which doesn't matter. Just go to a school, people. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for me, I really connected with their mission and value statement. But I ended up getting waitlisted. But honestly, I'm so glad I got to come here to UTMB because Galveston is, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Galveston is on the beach. It may not be the best beach, but Uh we have a beach. And so that's a de-stressor right there. Tons of cool activities. And then also the best thing about this is, is that I am not alone here. I have actually knew five people that I went to school with at UT that are here with me. Um, and so I already had connections and friends and my program has about 90 students in it. So it's a, a, a rather large program, but our cohort is so tight. We are like the best of friends. Everyone knows each other and we're all really nice to each other, which is a program where you want to be. You don't want to be in a program where it's super competitive. You want a good overall morale of the program. So if you take anything from that, think about that. Yes. That's super important, and that's one of the reasons, again, when we're doing the interview, we're trying to see if the student is right for us, but you also need to see as a student, as a candidate, that if this is the right program for you, because you're going to be spending a lot of time and money with faculty in this, in this arena, and so it's really important to make sure it kind of matches, and as Clay said, the mission statement and the values of the program can give you huge clues to see if you think that you're going to fit with that culture, because every program has a little different culture, and it's okay if you don't fit well in one, there'll be another program that you fit really well Exactly. I'm really happy I got into UTMB and that's where I am. There's just been a lot of cool things that have been happening here. So I'm very happy here. Clay, I'm originally from Texas and Galveston is so much fun and you have Moody Gardens right there. It is such, it's a really cool place. So hopefully you'll get to enjoy it maybe for like an hour in between studying or something. (laughs) Well, I actually moved to the island a month before school started. So I got to enjoy the island a little bit. Um, before I had to crack down on my schoolwork. But um, yeah, but Galveston is a great place to be. Um, super cool people, super cool places to eat. And then we're also next to Houston. So if you want to go to Houston, go party downtown or whatever, you have that resource there as well. So it's really cool. So it looks like a little bit of now that you are in the smack dab middle of your didactic year, right? So you had been through a semester, you're in your second semester. So what's, what is it really like? What is the... PA school like as a didactic student this year? Any tips, any advice, anything that surprised you? So with UTMB, I don't, I know a lot of programs aren't like this, but our first semester was a summer semester. So we started July 12th and it ended the last week of August. And during that time, we took behavioral medicine, which was about being able to diagnose mental disorders using the DSM-5. And then we also took Diagnostic Medicine 1, which were like your physical exams. And then we also took Health Promotion and Preventative Medicine, which is a lot of the, you know, knowing the risk factors for certain diseases or and being able to relate that to certain patients, that kind of thing. And then we also took an introduction to health professions, which is basically how to be, you know, a good person, but 
also be a good PA and how to practice um, good ways to de-stress and that kind of thing. So the the four classes that we took were the load wasn't as heavy as what I'm in now because I'm now taking anatomy, clinical medicine, diagnostic medicine two, pharmacology, and pathophysiology. So UTB did a great job of you know trying to introduce us to what we're getting ourselves into <laughs> um, with just you know some basic intro classes. During my first semester, we only had out of two out of those four classes, only two of them had exams. The other ones were just you know assignments and things like that. But the assignments kept us busy. We called it busy work. So we were writing essays. We were um, practicing physical exams on each other, you know, studying behavioral medicine and diagnosing people with DSM-5 disorders, um, that kind of thing. So and during that time, we were freaking out because we were, we were all having trouble handling all of this new information. And we were like, if this is the easy semester, how are we going to do the fall? Like, how is this going to work? But, you know, you just have to go with the flow, you know, trust in the process. The transition from the summer to the fall was a little bit rocky because you don't know your schedule. You don't know how everything is going to feel yet. So, you know, take the first couple weeks and just go with the flow, see how it's going to go. And then you can develop your studying strategies and um, how to maximize your time is really important. So from a student who is currently in the hardest semester, really just trust the process go with the flow, maximize your time and utilize it wisely. And you bring up such great points because when we worked at PA programs, like it's hard to tell that to students. There is a method to our madness and it seems, you know, maybe chaotic and disorganized sometimes, but we know what we're doing. We've graduated cohorts that are amazing PAs. Um, Almost everyone in our program passed the pants, every single cohort. So it is really a hard transition. And when we were also working at the programs, we would have advisees, like, you know, eight to 10 advisees. And that first week or two, our advisees would be in the office, like, you know, crying and like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And you comfort them and everybody usually gets through it, but it's hard not to be like, oh, you have no idea what's coming. (laughs) Yeah, and so, I mean, I'm thinking about that right now. Like, I have my first anatomy exam in two weeks, and then the week after that I have three more exams. Like, how am I going to do this? But you you can't just go to lecture and just take your notes and not study. You have to go to lecture and then maximize your time. I recommend getting a planner. I never used a planner before PA school, and now I'm using one because I have to. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So use a planner, maximize your time by, you know, say, all right, so we have four lectures of anatomy. One's the forearm, one's the upper arm, one is the anterior chest, and one is the back and spinal cord. The way I do it is I do focus on one lecture a day on top of, you know, my other classes. I have other things to do. But set a time to focus on one lecture a day and then the next day and the next lecture. But also review that first lecture and just keep building it on. Because that overall will help your long-term memory of all these things that you have to know um, for all of the classes. Yeah, and, and so you bring up a good point. You know, if you think about everything that you have to learn the next semester, the next year, it's, it's so overwhelming. And so we say, just like you are, live in the moment, take it a day at a time, make sure you review. Because you're not able to, like, remember and then dump in PA school. Because, you know, you need your anatomy when we're talking about, okay, now we're talking about surgery right? You need to know your anatomy. Or now we're talking about musculoskeletal complaints. Or now we're talking about pathophysiology of the heart. You know, now we're talking about a drug works in a certain place. If you don't know your anatomy and physiology, if you don't remember it, like, again, all that stuff's going to be harder. So 
that's one thing about PA school is that you have to be able to retain the information, as you've said, be able to learn new stuff, but still go back and remember the old stuff. And so, you know, time management is a huge thing because you, you won't have a lot of time. You don't, I mean, if you're in school all day long, you have eight hours of classes and then maybe you have five hours of studying. You also want to try to eat sometime, maybe get some sleep, you know? And so I think it's really, really important. As you said, you've got to plan out your day. You've got to have time management. And you're going to have to go with the flow because things change, lectures change, times and dates change. So you do have to have that flexibility as a student, which is really hard, especially for like the type A students. So I love the fact that you've got a planner, you've got your, you know how you study, you've got your success plan out there because that is so much, so important. Just as you said, keeping up with material and remembering to review old material because you literally cannot just dump things like you can undergrad, right? So you take your history class. You get your A or whatever, and then you dump it, and you don't even remember, you know, when the declaration was signed, right? <laughs> because that's something we don't use all the time. It's so different in PA school. So I think that's a great point that you brought up, that we are building upon your knowledge, and every semester builds upon more and more knowledge. Because you learned physical exam last semester, well, now you've got to use it, like, in every single clinic. So that's a great point. Yeah, just like you said, my physical exam, the physical exam, CNDXM1, which was in my summer semester, you know, we learned the basic of the basic type of exams, like head, ears, eyes, nose, and throat, you know, cardio, palm. And then now in DXM 2, we have specialized tests that we have to add on to those different areas on top of, we just added on a, a skin test, like for dermatology. So it, it, it's going to keep adding on, like you can't just, you know, dump it all. You have to, you know, have some idea, <laughs> at least some idea yeah. of what you're supposed to be looking for and, and yeah you just keep building on that's what it is what tips do you have for pre-pa students who are right now in the application process or maybe even next cycle going through the whole CASP application process so be prepared that's that's the number one thing and you know in terms of what i mean by that is research your schools Reese, go onto each and every school's website and Look at their mission statement. Look at their value statement. Do they have volunteering opportunities for you to do while you're in your first year? Like UTMB, we have St. Vincent's Clinic, which allows us to go see patients in our first year, which is very uncommon for a lot of PA schools, which is really cool. You know, you want to do at least do one mock interview, or I applied at the height of COVID. And so up until that point, there had been no virtual interviews at all. Maybe one or two here or there, but usually it was all in person, and so it was different because no one, no one that I knew had experience of an online interview. Do you know? Do mock interviews? Practice looking at yourself in the Zoom camera or on FaceTime. The things that I did was before you guys came out with your prep interview book. Use your resources. There's tons of them out there. You know, use Katie and Beth to look over your app or their per- or your personal statement or your entire application do mock interviews be prepared because you you can't i say this lightly you can't over prepare do what you can to prepare yourself but don't spend five hundred dollars on just mock interviews you know do one or two use that feedback wisely and apply it to your actual interview five basic questions that appear in almost every pa school interview which is why do you want to be a pa tell me about yourself do you know what a pa is and what they do and what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? What I did was I got some notebook paper out and I wrote the question on top. And you want to bullet point your answers. So tell me about yourself. Okay, bullet point Gonzales, Texas, University of Texas, and Austin graduated with a BSA, that kind of thing. 
And then once you get all the info that you want to say on that piece of paper in bullet point format, practice relaying that information without looking on that paper. So then that way you don't sound robotic, which people are able to tell in your interview if you're just memorizing sentences. So bullet points really helped me be genuine because, you know, you can prepare all of these answers, but how do you sound genuine and how do you sound not, you know, robotic? And being genuine in your PA school interview is super important. You don't want to be someone who you're, who you're not or trying to be. I think you're really, you really hit the nail on the head that even though you've done applying, you've done all this prep work, you still have work to do, right? So until you actually get into PA school, you still have work. You have prep work. You have, uh, you know, things, as you said, make lists, practice in the mirror, practice with mock interviews, practice with yourself. And so it's really important to note that, like, until you're actually in, you know, you still have that prep work. And, yes, you push submit on task, but you should 100% celebrate that. And then you should celebrate when you get these interviews. But again, every step of the PA process is a long step, and it's a lot of prep work. It's a lot of practice. We also agree that, you know, you need to be yourself. You need to be genuine. And this is, again, why you need to apply to the right programs for you. And that way, you know, so if someone, for example, has a problem with something in your background or something that you're passionate about, then that's probably not the right program for you. And it's okay because there's almost 300 programs now in our country. And so there are programs that are right for you. And, and you don't want to sound reversed because you want it to be, you know, you want it to be real, you want it to be genuine, but definitely practicing and having an idea, writing down some thoughts, and then again, not memorizing them, but just thinking about, okay, how do I want to say, what are my weaknesses and my strengths? How am I going to say this? Like, how am I going to say what I learned from this? How am I going to phrase this? And then practicing, because what happens is when you're really, really nervous, your mind goes blank. And so if you haven't practiced, obviously, sometimes those words aren't there. And so it sounds to me like, you know, even though you, you were successful, you got interviews, you still knew you had to put the time, the money, the work in to be successful in those interviews. So I think that's a really good learning point for a lot of our PPAs. Even when you push submit, the learning is not over, right? <laughs> exactly. Once you, you know, once you get your interview, your, you know, your interview invitation, your, your work has just begun. You have to take the time to really research the school and, and figure out why do I want to attend this program? Because, you know, we're all, we all apply to just try to get into one school, right? Because PA school is more competitive than med school now. It's a super tiny statistic, a super tiny percentage of people that get in every year. Yes. And so everyone tells you just try to get into one. Do you, all you need is one, which is true. But if you're like me and you have multiple interviews, multiple acceptances, you have to, once you get those interview invitations, you have to sit yourself down, go through every school, go through, you know, would I really be interested in this program? Would I really want to go to this program? Another thing that I wanted to say earlier about being prepared, also be on top of your state or national PA legislation. Programs love to know and hear that you are up to date with what is going on with our profession today, and this shows that you are committed to this profession, and they they love that. So I was a, a member for TAPA, which is the um, Texas Academy of Physician Assistants, which is a branch of AAPA, and so I went to their conferences every spring, and I went and sat in to the legislation meeting, and I wrote down you know, what was happening, what future plans we have, that kind of thing. And if you can bring those up in your interview, chef's kiss. <laughs> Love it. So true. Yeah. So true. Proof that you are invested in the profession. Yes, exactly. It is so impressive how prepared you were. Tell us about your interviews. Yeah, for sure. So um, first interview was at 
Hardin-Simmons University at, in Abilene, Texas, which um, if you don't know Texas, um, Abilene is like West Texas. Hardin-Simmons is a private university. It is a very small university. Hardin-Simmons was a normal, traditional interview. I even had a, everyone that interviewed there had a one-on-one -on -one interview with the program director herself, which is pretty intense, but hey, it paid off. I got accepted there. Um, <laughs> So we had, you know, we actually had a group interview um, with other students where we had to pop off ideas off of each other. And then we, I had an interview with another faculty and an interview with the director. And, you know, after that, I found it really cool that this program did this. They actually did a virtual tour of their campus and Hardin-Simmons. Hardin-Simmons, um, the PA building is one building. Everything you need is in that one building. They actually have like parking around that building. Like it's super <laughs> easy to access. I found that really interesting and a pro for that. They also had like a cool student kitchen. And I even brought this up in my interview. I was like, who's making enchiladas? And they ate it up. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, be yourself, you know, throw in, you know, some jokes every now and then. You know, you don't want to just be like, I want to be a PA. That kind of thing. You want to be yourself. And then, you know, I got accepted the next day. They literally called me the next day, um, which is insane. Turnaround uh, time. Um, usually it's around two weeks. And then after that, I had my interview at UTMB, which is also another traditional type of interview style. I had a interview with, well, first there was like a whole group session of everyone interviewing there with uh, current PA school students. During that time, you know, they just asked if we had any questions and, you know, um, that kind of thing. We also got to all know each other a little bit more. And then after that, I had two one-on-one -on -one interviews with one adjunct professor and one professor who still teaches here. And so that was really good. I actually cried during that interview with, and actually me and the interview were, we both cried. <laughs> but I didn't like Crying is good for your interview as long as it's a genuine moment and it's not taking up your interview time. You don't want to just sit there and sob. You shed a few, you know, emotional tears and then keep going. Then at UT Southwestern, that was my third interview. That one was MMI. And it was 10 stations, eight minutes long, one minute to read the prompt, seven minutes to answer it. There really isn't a way to prepare for MMI. I know everyone says this, but, you know, just, you know, be prepared to answer those those five basic questions I mentioned earlier. And then also read up on some ethical scenarios and, like, how you would answer those type of questions. Just know that, I don't know if this is every MMI, but with UT Southwestern, uh, I felt like they tried to mess me up to see how I would react um, in certain situations. So, like, for example... They asked me a question, and I gave this perfect example about twirling and how I picked up the, the baton every time I dropped it and kept going. It showed resiliency, that kind of thing. Like, it was a perfect answer. And then she was like, can you give me a more medical-type um, experience with how, you know, blah, 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 the question. I don't want to give out too much. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, at that moment, I was like, I probably only have two minutes left. What am I, what am I going to say? So they want to try to throw you off, but just know that even though you mess up on one interview on one of those stations, it cannot affect how you answer the next. And I think it shows that you are able to turn things from a negative to a positive really quickly. And you're able to stay on your feet. You know, you're, it, 
it shows that it won't affect you, and that's huge. And also, depending on the school and some professors, like at UT Southwestern, some schools want you to answer the full seven minutes. And if you don't, they'll just boot you to the next room, right? And then sometimes the professor would be like, can you tell me more? Or they would ask a follow-up question to try to boost you to those seven minutes. So you kind of just want to be aware of that. And I would just say your goal is to try to put your answer for the full seven minutes or however long the MMI is. Um, but it just depends, you know, ask around your PA school friends and see what the feel is for that. That was my interview experience. And then I got waitlisted at UT Southwestern. And they didn't end up emailing me later saying that I got in. I think there were like 20 other people um, in front of me because I I had actually interviewed them on their second to last interview spot. So a lot of the seats were already taken. Unfortunately, some other candidates were a little bit better. But hey, I'm here. I'm at UTMB living it up. And it yeah, just keep going. <laughs> You're exactly where you need to be. Exactly. Yeah, I think you made a really great point, um, especially with the MMI, is that you can't let one answer or one, you know, topic or something like that. If you're like, oh, I don't think I should have said this, or you, know, you can't let that affect the rest of it. And that really does show maturity. It shows resiliency. It shows a lot of things. And so uh, we try and counsel our clients on that, too. Like, don't let it stress you out. You have another chance for first impression, another chance to answer a question great. And so being able to kind of shrug off something that didn't go your way and perfect really, really shows the fact that you can overcome adversity and that you can, you know, have the maturity to leave it in the last room. So for those listeners, it's going to be really, really important to not let like room number two mess up all every other room behind that because you really can get when you're nervous and you're stressed, the emotions can run high and it, and it can kind of follow you along. So being able to let go of that is just really, really shows your maturity. So that's a great tip. What are you most excited about your future and where do you see yourself working as a PA? I'm still in awe that I'm here, first of all. I, a lot of people don't talk about this, but I think this is very important to talk about. I have gotten a lot of imposter syndrome, and I know I'm not the only one. I've talked to my other classmates about this, and, you know, during my first semester at UTMB, like, we were freaking out about these four basic classes and how and we're struggling and how are we going to do in the fall and the hard semester and, you know, I got, I, there were times where I sat myself down and I was like, what if I'm not able to do this? Like, what if th- this isn't made for me? What if I'm not supposed to do this? And, you know, after talking with other people and, you know, seeing that other people felt that way, that I'm not alone, made me realize like, oh, this is normal. Like this is, er, well, it's not normal, but it's, it happens. And you have to pick yourself back up and realize I'm, I'm worthy I am here for a reason. They chose me out of thousands of other people. You are worthy and you are going to be a PA. And so the most thing I'm excited about is just getting that diploma and passing that pants. Like I'm just so excited for that. Yes to all of that. Yes, yes, yes to all of that. All of it. I think students sometimes feel like they're the only ones who feel like, I'm not sure if I can do this. So the only ones who are like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be here, or I can't believe I'm here, or I don't deserve this, or, or whatever it is. And, you know, when you're in stressful times, any piece of baggage or any piece of mental self-doubt that you have, you know, just come to the forefront. So I love the fact that you're like, hey, listen, it happens to everybody, because it is so, so true. You are not alone. There's a lot of people who think, I don't even know if I can get to PA school. And when they do, they're like, oh my gosh, is this right for me? Do I deserve this? Can I really do this? And all these doubts come out the closer and closer you get to your dreams. 
So thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that with our listeners that like, hey, even when you're in school, you still have these doubts, you know, still have this imposter syndrome and it happens to everybody. This is just part of it. You know, we've all been there and we all do it. And even as a clinician, sometimes like, especially your first year out, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's another stress, right? And so it's just so important that we bring this out because I think some students think they're the only ones and they hold it inside. And then those are the students that end up, you know, deciding not to continue or withdrawing or whatever reason it is. Because again, it, it's a mental thing. They think I'm the only one here, you know, having this doubt. And that's so not true. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, no, it wasn't just me. Like, um, I had, uh, whenever I was, you know, feeling all of this, I contacted my mentor who was a PAS2 the year above me who I also knew from UT, so that was a really good connection. She was like, oh, I have this daily, and she's on her clinical rotations. So I was like, she's actually, you know, in the nitty-gritty. She's seeing these patients. She's diagnosing and treating these patients. If she's experiencing that, and she was able to get through her first year and she's doing that, that just shows I can do it too. Yeah, it's just really important to know that if you start to, once you're in PA school and you start to feel these things, it's... It is okay to feel those things, but don't let it define you. And I think that just speaks volumes for anyone who feels that way. Love it. All right. What is your number one piece of advice? So my fairy, I call her my fairy BA godmother. Her name is Julia Deersing, and she is a a physician assistant at um, MD Anderson in Houston. She told me, this is what she told me, exact words. If you get an interview for a school, that means that you are worthy of going to that school. Then in the interview, you just have to tell them that you are worthy. And then she said, while you're in that interview, you have to be 100% authentically you. And that just spoke volumes to me. And so, you know, during my interview, my computer was against a wall and I had put some sticky notes with be 100% you, show them who you are, Tell them that you are worthy of going to this program, that kind of thing. And that really helped me. It, get, it gets you in the this positive mindset that's just warm. Like you feel this warmth over you and you are able to just be you. And that's, that is my number one piece of advice is just be you. Know that you are worthy if you get an interview. And while you're in the interview, tell them you're worthy. And that's it. I love that. It's so true. We talk so much about mindset because it is so true. That, you know, you need to have the right mindset. You need a mental who believes in you. You need to believe in yourself. And you need to believe in your dream. And even if you have moments of doubt, that's totally normal. But you still need to put yourself in the right mindset to succeed because we create our own realities. And you can debate this with theologians and, you know, physicists and stuff like that. But you, your mind is powerful. And so what you think is basically what you live and what comes your reality. So we just love the fact that you're right. You know, you have to believe in yourself and your dream and you have to believe that you're worthy and you have to understand that you're not perfect and that's okay. That you can still become a PA and you can still live out your dreams even if you're not perfect. So this paralysis of perfection is something we see a lot in pre students. So please, if you're listening, just rewind it and listen to Clayton's words again and again and again because you might need to hear this and that's okay, but you are worthy they already love you when they invite you for an interview and all you have to do is show them why they should choose you. Just showcase everything that you've done up until this point because you've already done it. So great words. So we ask everybody this question. It's our last and final question. And your future white coat, who is Clay when that comes off? 
You know, whenever I read this question, I was like, what are they looking for? And again, I'm going back to just be, just be you. I love to hang out and be social with friends and family. Our class um, here at UTMB is super tight-knit, and we have we had a huge beach bash after our first exam. And so, you know, going to do fun events with other classmates. I love to dance, you know, anything. I can two-step, I can hip-hop, I can do anything you want me to do. I'm just a very lively person, and I just love being in the, in the moment. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, we've seen you on Instagram. You're a really good dancer. <laughs> we, we get a little jealous, actually. We <laughs> do. We do, and we're super, I'm super jealous of your flexibility, too, because uh, I can barely touch my toes, but I, I kind of work on that. But, yeah, we just want to showcase that, like, PAs are real people, too. They, you know, love to travel. They love to dance. You know, they're just, just like everybody else. And so thank you for sharing that. If our listeners want to follow you or catch up with you, do you have any social media handles or anything like that you'd like to give to us? Sure. So my Instagram is it's underscore zero clay. I can, you know, give this to Beth and Katie and you guys can put that um, whenever you upload the video or the podcast. Please feel free to follow me. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to direct message me and I'll try to get to them. But also I'm in school. So if I don't get back to you right away, please understand that. But PA, pre-PA and PA education is really important to me and I love to give back to this community. So thank you so much for having me on this. And I really hope my experiences and my information that I had is beneficial to all of you pre-PAers out there. Thank you so much. And we will catch up with you hopefully maybe in your clinical year to see uh, how things are going at that time. But we appreciate your time. And uh, you can find all the link to Clay's social media handle in our show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Clay, and your knowledge, your wisdom, and for just sharing this with all of our listeners. It is so needed and so appreciated, and you're a rock star, and um, just thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure, pleasure and an honor, honestly. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so grateful to be your mentors and to help you get into PA school and then get through PA school. If you need help with your interview to make sure that you crush your PA school interview, check out our mock interview service, 90 minutes with us. We ask you all the most likely questions you are going to be asked and it can be done in MMI and traditional format to make sure that you rock it out and land that seat to get into PA school. Check it out in the show notes and we'll catch you at the next episode.